this special Frank Ocean Endless and Blonde episode of the Listen In Podcast is brought to you by dedicated listeners like you. Um, thanks for all your support, everyone. If you give us a review on iTunes and let us know about it on Twitter, um, in a DM, or, or just tweet at us, we will send you a Listen In Podcast sticker. That's right, a branded Listen In Podcast sticker for you to put on whatever surface uh, you think needs a sticker. So thanks for listening, and uh, let's start the show. Listen in podcast, episode 38, This Feel Like a Quaalude, Jake. Ooh, nani nani. <laughs> what can you say other than that? Sean, before we dive in with Frank Ocean, I want to wish you a happy birthday. Oh, thank you. How old are you now, as I, the song goes? I am 24 years old. Also, as Frank would say, that was a real fucking fast year went by. It sure was. You know what? Frank references are going to be coming in hot in this episode. They will be. And, um, you know, I got to... Seriously, though, birthdays are weird. They're always weird. And I have to ask you the obligatory aunt, uncle, grandmother question of, uh, do you feel any different? I don't because I'm not young enough to think that that's how birthdays work. Um, I understand that you just age progressively throughout the year and that birthdays are kind of arbitrary and meaningless. Uh, but welcome to the show. That's welcome, a fun everyone. introduction. Welcome, everyone. Just another year closer to death. We'll edit that first part out yeah, about we'll cut, the, the death thing. We'll cut that. We'll cut we'll that cut in that. post. Uh, but no, this week's episode is not about my birthday. It's about the two new Frank Ocean albums that came out. Endless, the visual album, and then Blonde, the more traditional album. Where do we even start with these, Jake? Where yeah. do we start? I'll tell you where we start. We start by discussing really quick why we decided not to do a track-by-track track mm, breakdown mm-hmm. um, like we did with other records. You might remember we did one for Radiohead's A Moon-Shaped Pool. We did one for Kanye West's The Life of Pablo. We think we did one for Views. We did. Um, and we did one for Kendrick Lamar, Untitled Unmasked. That's right. And so the primary reason, in my opinion, is that A, there's two albums here, 18 tracks on Endless, 17 tracks on Blonde. Uh, math tells me that that is uh, 30... Five uh, total tracks, so it's a lot of tracks. Also, Endless, as a visual album, has a track list that's released, but it's not in a format where it's easy to read as the songs go on, so I'm still hazy on which songs are which. I am too. I I was, and I've listened a good amount to Endless now, and I still don't know what tracks are which. I started to get it today because I looked as I listened, but I still missed some. Endless listens and feels just like a continuous ether of sounds and feelings it's really really cool and we'll get into that a little bit more but i think a good place to start is so what were your thoughts and feelings as last week came to a close and we got word that yes frank is coming out with new music this weekend this friday this weekend what were your thoughts around that and when endless came out are you like well so I woke up to that news that Endless had been dropped, and I honestly didn't believe it until I saw it. And I, when I opened it, well, actually, once I went through the whole debacle of getting a, a three-month free subscription to Apple to I'm what is it called? Apple Music. Apple Music. I almost called it Apple iMusic. A little redundant, but once I did that, I got on there, 
and I didn't believe that there was real music until I heard it because I just and then when I heard like oh he's dropping another actual album tomorrow I was like not a chance I was like it's not happening mm-hmm. I didn't believe it I didn't either and when I saw you the next day and you were like dude Frank has dropped the new album I've already listened then I actually started to believe it was a proof yep. proof had to be before proof me was in the to pudding. believe it so for me Friday rolls around and I see that Endless is only a visual album on Apple Music yeah. first of all I didn't have an Apple Music account I'm subscribed to Spotify and Tidal, and I just had to bite the bullet and do a three-month trial of Apple Music. So I am now subscribed to three streaming services because of all the bullshit exclusives that have happened in 2016. It's becoming an annoyance, uh, especially for us, because we want to listen to all these records. I mean... Yeah. And I guess annoyance is maybe the wrong word. No, no, no. It's the correct word, because my first reaction to hearing that Endless came out it was a little bit of excitement and curiosity, and then the rest was annoyance because not only did I have to go sign up for Apple Music and find it on there, it's a visual album, and it's not just a track-by-track, track, normal, traditional format of an album. It's different and harder to listen to and access. It was mostly annoyance. I was like, okay, I feel obligated to go listen to this now, even though it's hard to do. I agree that at first annoyance crept in. And so for a little context, because I'm thinking, you know, it's been less than a week now. We're recording this on a Thursday. I bet a lot of people didn't take the time or effort to go out and get a subscription. So there might be listeners who are like, I still don't maybe fully understand what's going on with this Frank thing because what happened to Boys Don't Cry? What happened to any of this? Basically, Boys Don't Cry, which is the title of the album he was like uh, teasing for years, there's no album called that. That, I think, is what Blonde is now. Yeah. And Endless is just another album with this visual component. So when I first watched it, um, I was working from home. And so I I popped it on sort of behind my work and kind of watched as I went. And so anyone who hasn't seen it, you don't really like have to unless you're really interested. Basically, it's like multiple versions of Frank Ocean. And he's building this set of stairs in like a warehouse. And... So, none of the times I've listened, which has been kind of a lot now, especially recent ones, have I watched that attentively, but the first time I did somewhat, and it felt like, kind of like I, like, told three guys, like, hey, build this staircase, and I'm gonna go do whatever, it kind of felt like the foreman, I was checking in here and there, I didn't watch every minute, but I felt like, I was like, okay, everything's still going okay in there? Because every time I looked, they were still working. Yeah. So I assumed they were dicking around when I <laughs> when went you back to looking. Work. Yeah. yeah. So I assumed they, they were like were... checking Twitter. Yeah. I had the same feeling. I was more interested in the actual sounds and songs on it more mm-hmm. so than the visual because I had kind of seen clips from what this had turned into a few weeks before, where he was live streaming from his workshop or whatever, and that's what Endless turned into was just things from that. So I watched it interspersed while I was working, and I was more concerned about just what the songs were. I think as an entire visual piece, it's a, it's a little boring. It's a little mundane. It's a little tedious to get through. However, I think the black and white, the methodical working of putting these stairs together, coupled with this kind of dreamlike aesthetic of the music where more so than anything the music that he came out with on Endless feels like uh, an ambient or an electronic album in that it's more about vibe it's more about feeling than it is about the actual 
lyrics or songs there. It's more about establishing what what you're feeling than anything else. And I think the visuals support that. And I thought it was interesting that he was building a spiral staircase to nowhere. It feels like that is kind of a commentary on the work that it takes to create art that Frank creates in that it's hard to do, it takes a lot of time, and in the end it is it doesn't necessarily mean as much as you want it to. It's just beautiful in its own right, maybe. Well, because for the creator of this staircase, because in this situation it's a staircase that literally goes to nowhere and is just in the middle of like a warehouse... So, like an album, like any piece of art, you finish it, it's this labor of love, and then no one can do anything with it. I mean, in theory, if you can listen to music, sure. But as the creator of this, it's like, well, now what? I put all this effort in, and so to me, it did seem like there was some sort of a metaphor in there about um, maybe the process where, because everyone was obviously sort of notoriously fed up with this long process, maybe it had something to do with Frank you know, building up, you know, doing all kinds of work, getting close to releasing it, and then and then at, at the end, doesn't it just show the full staircase and then cut out? So and I it's was gone? gonna say, what's really interesting is that the, he climbs up the staircase, he gets like halfway, and it immediately cuts, and it goes back to the start yep. where yep. he's just starting, and it comes in with that electronic sound where it's like on this Apple device yep. you can stream your life, and it's really interesting that it's, I think what he's saying is you put in all this time and effort. And then you just kind of reset, and you have, you have to do it all over again. That's and there's a, there's some kind of commentary around being addicted to our phones and technology thrown in there, maybe kind of haphazardly, maybe not as eloquent as it could be. Now, I, I'm interested, Jake, in your thoughts on the critical and just general public reception to Endless as a piece of art, as an album, because I think it's getting... Not negative reviews, it's getting slightly positive reviews, but maybe not as much as it deserves. Yeah, it is. So a great case in point is if you look at Metacritic right now, um, Blonde, which we'll get to after, has about 19 reviews, or 20 now, all but one are positive, one was like a 4 out of 10, which I don't know what you're listening to. Yeah, seriously. I think it was The Independent from the UK. Jesus. Um... And then uh, and it has like an overall 89, I think. Pitchfork gave it a 9. Mm-hmm. Um, Endless from Pitchfork got a 7.5. And on Metacritic has far fewer reviews. I honestly think, and this is something that we talked about and we grappled with, people don't know what to make of it. No. Because it's this visual album. And I really think more than we'd even be willing to believe, people are stubborn and set in their ways. And people are unwilling to come to terms with or really meet Frank where he's at with that album. Because... As I've listened more and more, I've really come to like Endless a lot. I don't like it quite as much as Blonde. I think it's better than a 7.5. I, I agree. I think, it's, I think it's better than that, and there's some songs on there that stand on their own. But what I will say is, in this instant reaction internet culture we live uh, in now with criticism and sort of reacting to music, um, an album like that is hard to react to quickly because it, it when you first listen, the first time through, again, you're, you're trying to take in some of the visuals if you can. And the album itself is, it's not that long, 50 minutes, but it's, like you said, it's a lot of sort of instrumental interludes. It's a lot of electronic stuff. It's almost like Frank doing sort of, um, being a producer. And there's some songs on there that are songs in a traditional sense, but for the most part, it's like, it has this sort of 
just not Aphex Twin, but an album like that, like an electronic album. And so this is the first exposure we've had to Frank in years, and, and you hear this as a critic, and you your review of this is due soon. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, maybe I listen a couple more times and spit out an opinion on it. And I think that the problem, especially with Endless, but also with Blonde, is it's an album that you need to let wash over you over time and just give repeat listens yep. and live in sort of the cracks and crevices of those sounds. I would agree. So I think... Endless is a really interesting first choice for him to, re- to to come out with as his first offering in four years because people, most people, don't listen to albums as a collective. They listen to them as individual songs. So I think the general really public and in, in the general listening fan base that he has is like, I want the next Thinking About You. I want Super Rich Kids. I want Pyramids. I want... You know, these songs that I can just immediately latch onto. Tracks I can buy. Right. Endless is just this collection of sounds, and you start off with the an Isley Brothers cover that's really slowed down and, and just methodical. It's like five minutes long. And you're like, okay, what is this? And then it goes into all these different little vignettes almost of ideas and clips of things. It's a really it's a challenging listen, especially for people who aren't inclined to listen to music in that way as a full forty-five minute collection. So when he comes out with that, I think that's really hard just from the jump. Is that's abrasive? That's a good point. And like you and and I are both people who consider ourselves and and act as sort of album people. We we're people who like listening to full records. So for us, it's actually even less of a transition than for other people. But I'll admit, even for me, even though I can just put it on as a video and leave it hanging, I can just minimize the screen and listen to it like an album, there's something in the back Mm -hmm. of my head, and it's weird. But I think it just speaks to our unwillingness to change and our unwillingness to adapt, that there's something in the back of my head that's like, this is a different thing. It's not quite the same kind of album. And like you said, like most of the tracks... Um, on first listen, and honestly, even now, I don't even know how many times I've listened now, but I don't, I'm looking at the track list right now, the only songs I know are individual songs I really like. I like Rushes 2, mm. which is the second to last song, mm-hmm. which I just found out today. I thought it was mm-hmm. the third to last. And that's the other thing, is like Frank's songs, sometimes what is a song will sound like two. Right. Like if you're listening to Blonde, sometimes you'll look and be like, oh, this is... Nights sounds like three different songs. It does. And you'll be like, oh, this is still that song. It all just feels like one long sort of album. And then I think the cover is At Your Best, You Are Love, right? Yes. Um, There are some other... Slide On Me is kind of a more... It's like a traditional song with lyrics you can remember. I know Coma Dig our song because I'm used to hearing that part where he sings that. But yeah, uh, definitely an interesting first experience. And I mean... I guess if you're Frank Ocean and there's all this hype, you feel like you got to come out with some kind of bang, you got to come out with yeah. some kind of... Although here's an interesting thing, and I want to get your take on this. I've heard that Endless was actually just released to finish and sort of wrap up a, a record contract. I was going to bring this up as soon as you were you finished your point. Okay. I, I've heard that too. I think that's so interesting. Mm. And it does kind of feel that way, where... It's like he was thinking, he's like, okay, I want to wrap up this record contract. I want to do something different with this release. I have all these ideas. I'll just release it as this. This is a cool idea. This will serve my contract. And then he comes out with Blonde, which is self-released. I, 
I I buy into that completely. That he just came out with Endless to fulfill the contract, and he, I'm going to move on and do my own thing. So, do you view it? Because I'm not sure if I do. As it seems, a lot of critics are viewing it where Blonde is the album. It's the album. It's Boys Don't Cry, but with a new name, mm-hmm. whole new branding. It's that's Frank's new album because it seems to be getting more attention. Mm-hmm. And Endless is the little bonus. It's just a little extra. It's not quite the same. I don't think it's fair to categorize it as that. And I know that's how most people are doing it. And I know that's not how you or I look at it. I look at these as Endless is its own thing. It's this very unique piece of art that we're not used to. And we our brains don't know how to categorize it or know what to do with it. So what we're trying to do, I think, is... And, and when I say we, I mean collectively as a culture or as critics or as fans, I think we're trying to diminish it and say, this is this one-off thing, this is this extra thing, when, in fact, it's a piece of challenging art that requires your time, it requires your attention, and it requires a little bit of thought to understand what's happening with it. It's not easy, it's hard. And I think we're trying to just kind of push it aside, and we're saying it's easy to, to digest Blonde for what it is, Endless is not so easy, and I think that's why you're seeing maybe some of these mixed reactions or reviews or less attention for it just because people don't know what to do with it or what it is. You make a really good point. I think this actually returns to what we were talking about. I think we've talked about it in a couple podcasts, the idea of the side project. So the example we used was Justin Vernon and how Volcano Choir is doomed to forever be called Justin Vernon's side project. Mm -hmm. Uh, or his Bonnie Vera side project, Volcano Choir. I honestly think that a part of that mentality, and I'm not sure what it is about how our brains work that makes us need to do this, there's something that says, like, we need just one thing. It's just easier on us. Yeah. If you release Blonde, it's like, okay, this is this is Frank's statement. This is what we really need to digest. And the amount of people that are reviewing it and taking it seriously bears that out. But here's the thing. I think a lot of people are burying the lead on this. Frank Ocean released two full albums. This weekend, yeah, two records, yeah. that are different and have different identities and different feels, right? Because Blonde has real songs on it. They're d- different than Channel Orange type songs. It's not quite as necessarily catchy, but it, it's I think a more natural progression for Frank Ocean or what you'd expect. This is this might be a weird question, but I'm gonna ask it. If you had the choice before these came out, if on Thursday evening someone said, Jake, you have the option of this Frank Ocean visual album and another new Frank Ocean album on top of it and they both come out within a day of each other this weekend or you get just a regular Frank Ocean album regular tracks to listen to which one do you prefer which one do you want this is a really good thought experiment and fully objective I just want the album I do too and the thing is that's my answer as well now it's a different answer because I'm happy we have Endless if you asked me last week like, when I heard the news where it was like... Because it was confusing, and people don't like being confused. No. And this was the news. It was like, okay, so there is a new album, but it's not called Boys Don't Cry, and it's not the one that's coming out tomorrow. And the one that's coming out tomorrow is a visual album called Endless. And when you listen to that, you're going to be confused because there's not that many songs on it that are, like, really standout, standalone songs. And when the new album comes out, it's going to be just this other full-length project basically unrelated to Endless. I thought it might be like Endless Part 2. I thought it might be like 
the same songs with more production or something. Right. They're, they're two different albums. Drastically different. Which is really interesting. Yeah, I would have also chosen just to have the one normal album because that makes more sense in my brain. It's easier. And again, that goes back to, I think, people's problem with Endless. They don't know how to categorize it. They don't know what to think of it. So they're just saying, I'm going to attach this score to it so my brain can compartmentalize it and we can just kind of be done with it and we can focus on Blonde and what that means for Frank Ocean's legacy. I don't think that's entirely fair to Endless. I think if in a few weeks Endless ends up getting its own Spotify or title release where it has tracks, I think people start to think about it a little bit differently than what they do right now. For sure they will because if you think about this a year, a year out, five years out, people are going to be hungry for Frank Ocean content, you know, and so I, I, have, I imagine that in five years, Endless will just be viewed as another album, because right. I'm sure it'll get some sort of traditional release. I, I would assume so. it'll would maybe come so. out on vinyl, you know, something, it, there, it'll be released in some other way. Maybe not, but I assume we'll have some form of release of Endless where it's, we get like a track by track, it's a little more traditional. Um, and, you know, th- I think this move made sense for Frank, you know, because he's a, a non-traditional type of guy when it comes to how he releases music, how he approaches his career. No social media presence, really. He sort of stays on, on the low. Um, so, interesting move. I was, like you said, a little bit taken aback by it at first, but that's just, I think, because mm-hmm. we like to expect something that we can predict in some way from people. And Endless is, it flies in the face of, like, it honestly made critics work. It did, it's like, yeah, look, yeah. It's like, I have this album tomorrow coming out, and Blonde is pretty dense. There's a lot to unpack yep. with Blonde. It's an album. It's like an hour long, you know. And then and, and Endless comes out before it. And not only is it a 50 minute album in its own right, but it has this whole visual component. Absolutely, yeah. And one more point before we move on to Blonde yep. is Endless as an album. It does take a lot of time to unpack and to understand what's happening on it. I don't think in our hot take culture where you need to fire off a review or a tweet or a thought immediately, I don't think critics have done their job well in summing it up. And I'll just put that out there. I think they had a chance to frame the conversation around it, and I think they really dropped the ball. I agree, and because if I were going to release a review of it after like the first time I listened... I, because you don't know what to make out of, honestly, even any traditional album, the first time you listen, you're like, well, okay. But with this, it was like, Frank's out, we need to create content, this yep. is like big news. Yep. And so, uh, well, I mean, to that point, too, it comes out on a Friday, and by the time you can listen to it, the day's winding down, you mm-hmm. know, Friday night is not an ideal time to release any sort of content, Saturday second worst day to release content. Frank does what Frank does. And then by that time, by the time you're ready to post something about Endless, Blonde comes out and it's like, well, all right, let's just skip whatever we were doing with Endless and let's talk about Blonde now. And I think that's kind of what happened. That's a good segue to our talk about Blonde. But Mm -hmm. before we do, a little interlude. Uh, I looked it up today, Sean, but do you remember... Because I had totally forgotten until this morning what Frank Ocean's real name is. Yeah, uh, I had read a review where it talked. It's like, is it Chris? Christopher Bro, B R E A U X, I think. Yeah, from New Orleans originally. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, I didn't know this until I was reading some reviews and some pieces on him. He grew up in New Orleans, and then post Katrina, he goes out to like LA 
and he has some demos and things like that, which he he ends up getting signed to a label. He's living in label purgatory where he's signed, but they're not releasing any of his work yet. Uh, so he kind of rebrands himself as Frank Ocean. He self-releases Nostalgia Ultra. Def Jam Recordings gets wind of it. They're like, we got to sign this guy. He's like, well, I'm already signed to like your your like label that's above you who owns Def Jam. I'm already signed. Oh, wow. Um, so like... Then he ends up releasing Channel Orange on Def Jam, I think. Um, and then that kind of leads you to where we're at with these next two albums, where it sounds like Endless was to fulfill a contract. Blonde was self-released as an Apple Music exclusive. Now, Universal, who I think owns Def Jam, or at least is an affiliate somehow, um, they have come out and said no more Apple exclusives for any of our artists. We're not doing that anymore wow. because it limits our reach. It limits the amount of people who can actually listen to it. Makes sense, which is true. There's a lot of barriers. Yeah, to just like from a basic marketplace perspective, yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of barriers to purchase. Simple dollars and cents. That's all it is, man. This is capitalism. That's right. Come on, we're let's in just, America. These are these are buzzwords. <laughs> Sean, come on. Yes, yeah, so, dog eat dog. That's right. That's right. So jumping in to Blonde. Yep. So we talked a little bit about uh, Endless, how there was a different vibe, how a lot of it was sort of sparse, electronic, um, and sort of, you know, not what I expected from a Frank release. I think Blonde is more along the lines of what we expected, but still a bit of a departure. Yeah. So let, let's compare and contrast to Endless really quick. So Endless starts out with... This weird robotic voice saying on this, this Apple phone you can stream your life or whatever really or quick. Apple device, yeah. And, and we you, explore that theme at length in the last track. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you <laughs> for like six do. minutes. Yeah, and then you go into a cover song, and then you basically just go into vignettes and ideas. On Blonde, you have a couple strong ideas right from the beginning. You have Nikes, which is a very fully fleshed out Frank song where you have him. Singing in this high-pitched register, some definite vocal manipulation uh, manipulation on his voice, um, and then you go into Ivy, yeah. which is I think a, a highlight on the album with like some guitar. Very very different how you're starting out both these albums. Very different, and I think so. When I had when I came home to to the crib, as we call That's it in the right. biz, as That's we right. established last episode in the biz, we respect call it the, the crib. biz. Got to respect the biz. You got to respect the crib. I came home to the crib that I respect. Sean was outside, had listened to this album already, so I ran in. I, I quickly uh, listened to Nikes and like half of Ivy, and immediately I was like, okay. I think I'm going to really like... Cause keep in mind, this is still... This is Saturday. This is a day off of listening to Endless for the first time, being kind of confused by it, not knowing what to expect from this new album. I didn't even know the name until you told me it was mm -hmm. Blonde. Um, and so I listened to those first tracks. like, okay, this is a more traditional thing. These are a couple songs I can... They've hooked me already. Yep. It's going to be more sort of standard. And here's an interesting thing. Uh, just in terms of like overall sonic quality... I, you can tell as you're listening through a lot of these songs, guitar, electric guitar with effects and like nice reverb and stuff and sort of atmosphere are some of the major components of the sound of this record. But one thing, I, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, but I think it speaks to how well put together the album is. 
um, that I'm embarrassed to admit is I didn't notice there's not that much drumming on it. I was just going to say, in the how about the review? lack of yeah. drums on this? I know, that's what I know. I was reading the Pitchfork review today. It was like, drums are not in it much. And as I was listening through, I was like, oh yeah, in Ivy, there's not really drums. There yeah. isn't Pink and White. There's not in Solo. Right. There's very little... Like just an organ in Solo. And it, what's, what's crazy is Frank's voice alone... Just, just, just me, just me around these hooks he writes on whether it's an organ, guitar, just the instrumentals are so pretty on here. He bogged them down with much at all. The the production on this album is so, it's it, it. What's interesting is it's minimalist without sounding it. It feels okay. like a lot is going on there, but there's not really the components are very minimal. If I, I think if there is a link between endless and blonde, it's in how minimal both the productions are. So. There's a lot of just vibes and feelings going on in Endless. There kind of is vibes and feelings going on in Blonde too, but in different ways. And I think one of the reasons why is the lack of drums. It feels like these songs don't have much structure and they're just kind of floating in the ether. That's how I feel definitely with Endless, that these songs are just out there. Blonde feels more structured, but at the same time without a structure, if that makes sense. It does. It's, it feels like he took sort of the framework and um, ideas that were behind the sound for Endless, but had songs yep. there, and just used the same ideologies for, like, what the overall sound would be. Yep. Um, because, again, like, if you look through the track list, so, you like, um, Ivy, I don't think there's any drumming. It's mostly, what is it, just guitar, yeah. mostly? Yeah. Um, Pink and White, there's some drums. Solo is just the organ. Self-control seems mostly guided by... I'm thinking at the end of that where there's that just beautiful layered vocals mm -hmm. at the end of Self-Control where um, I can't think of any percussion that's in that part. And uh, to cite the Pitchfork review again, um, is it Ryan Domble who wrote it? I didn't look. I didn't look. Whoever wrote it... Um, Nice birthday present for you too, by the way. I was about thinking that? about this earlier. I was thinking, I was like, you know what would be interesting? To go back and see what was reviewed on your birthday for the past few years. A Best New Music 9.0 Frank Ocean album is an awesome one to have on your birthday. It's really, really good. I was thinking about that today. I was like, you know what? That's cool for Sean because there's he'll probably forget. And he'll look back at this review and be like, oh yeah. The, yeah. the review came out on my birthday. But, um, I mean, White Ferrari too is very sort of sparse. That's a lot right. of the best songs in this album... So something that I'm realizing several listens in is like Frank has sort of created a, a signature sort of sound here. He has. And I, one thing I wanted to bring up was his voice is so singular and so powerful but delicate at the same time. Yeah. I forgot how devastatingly beautiful his voice is. And the different things that he can do to it and and the different kind of registers that he'll do with it throughout the course of an album and because I hadn't listened to Channel Orange for a while and I kind of forgot what Frank's vibe was all about yep. and then these two albums come on and I was like holy shit this this man's voice is like no other voice in pop music right now I also forgot what it was like and I think Blonde he does it even more so to listen to and be a part of a Frank Ocean album because yeah. the thing about Channel Orange is um, it, it's definitely more singles-oriented than this. It, it actually is by far. But if you really listened to Channel Orange and you fell in love with Channel Orange, it was not... I mean, those songs are great. The Thinking About You's and Pyramids of the World are great, but it's the little things about Channel Orange that really get you because as you listen, it's just this experience. You have a song like Fertilizer. You have songs like uh, Lost and... Sierra uh, Leone. Yeah, just these songs were like... It's mostly about how... 
Frank produces the songs, and there's these like just echoey, reverby, beautiful instruments, and his voice interacting with them. Yeah, I, I wanted to bring this up that. because I know we were talking the other day about how Channel Orange is a very different album than Blonde and a very different album than Endless. That is true because it is so. There's songs on it that are just so they stand alone. They stand alone more so than I think either of these new albums do. However. To your point, the feeling that you get from listening to Channel Orange is, I think, almost exactly the same as I get from listening to Blonde. I'm I'm living in Frank's world. That's the thing I like the most, more so than just maybe the songs themselves. I just like whatever feeling and aura and vibe he creates. I this, like living in it. And this goes back to something I was saying before, because the coolest thing about what Frank does, and I think he really, really does it on Blonde, is... When I'm listening to Blonde or even Channel Orange, I'm not necessarily waiting for a song. I'm waiting for like that part of a song. Yeah, yeah. So like like a great example is is Self Control. Like it's a really good song, but one of my favorite parts on the whole album is that end part where it's the layered vocals. He's doing the ah 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 Ooh. that thing over like mm-hmm. and it it's so beautiful and like I, the first few times I listened, I didn't know what song that was on because I'm yeah. not I'm not knowing the yeah. track list or anything, and so I just feel like with Frank it's different I can't explain it really that well it's popping some birthday wine (laughs) Um, I just feel like you sort of live in the sounds a little bit more it's more like he really does put out albums he does so much more so than what you would actually think because uh, for example I was listening to uh, The Watch The Ringers podcast uh, and it has Andy Greenwald and Chris Ryan on it they talked a little bit about Frank Ocean their take was more of just a casual fan's take about this. Not not so much a music nerd or, or album-centric take like we might have. And I, I forget if it was Chris Ryan or Andy Greenwald, and they were saying, um, like, give me the hits. Like, I don't have time to listen to, to all this content. And I think that might be the casual fan's reaction to this, is we're excited to dive into two separate albums most people are just like, where is Thinking About You? Where is Lost? Where is Where are these songs I can just take out and listen to and get an idea of where Frank's at right now? I completely disagree with that take. I think, again, that's a lazy take from critics who are saying, I don't want to spend the time to dive into this because it makes my life harder. Um, I don't have the time to do it. Fine, whatever. I... I love that there's two different albums to listen to. I love how different they both are. I love the feelings that they invoke. Um, this has been a treat in terms of music in the dog days of summer, I think. I totally agree. I, I love all of it, and I, I, I totally disagree with the take of where are the hits. Just get, just give me the hits. Well, the funny thing is, is like I feel like if you're a fan of Frank Ocean who just wants the hits, you're no fan at all. You're not actually... A, yeah, you don't get what he's about. Because to me, Channel Orange is such a singular like achievement of a modern album... And, and, and with Blonde, I think he continued that. Give me an album like Blonde where there's not that many standouts like that really stand up on their own if you were to play them at a party or if you were to play them on the radio or like, right. you know what I mean, like on a run. There's no pump-up songs. But listen to this in the right context. There's, I, dude, I just can tell there's going to be not much better than this record, especially Blonde, to pop on like when you're sitting oh, and hanging out and just like, relaxing. Like for example, like after this, I know we're all just gonna kind of hang out. People yeah. at the house, some like a like a couple people might be coming over. I'm putting on Frank Ocean. 
and it's going to just set a vibe and a tone. That's what I want. It's going to be amazing. It's so relaxed. I want to get back really quickly to the instrumentation thing about... Because you mentioned how powerful his voice is, and I really think that not enough attention is being paid to what he does with the sonic like sort of structure of his songs. There are not that many artists who can release an album like this with such a with a sound that's so dependent on your voice pretty much yeah, alone yeah. and instruments and, and very little driving percussion and get away with it and have it be actually amazing. Because look at some of the other track by track albums or or milestone releases we've had this year. You have something like Kanye West where we were constantly talking about I really like the production on this song. I think the production saves this song. And Kanye's raps and lyrics were kind of secondary to what was happening in the production. I think the same could even be said about Untitled Unmastered when we were talking about how listen to what they're doing in the studio with like this live jazz band playing. And then obviously you could say the same thing about Beyonce's Lemonade too. There's a lot of different things going on outside of just her voice or what's happening. And then, of course, Drake's views. It's all about that minimalist production with Noah Forty, Shebib, or whatever his name is. This is so different in that Frank's voice is carrying a lot of the song. It's propelling the song songs in a lot of ways. And I, I think the production and the instrumentation just complements that. What's funny is that you, we go back to when we reviewed Views, for example. And I'm not shitting on Drake. I, I think everyone knows I like Drake less than Sean. This is not about dumping on Drake. But for example, like, Drake tries, he goes for that minimalist sound. Yep. He goes for, it's like very minimal. I think this is an album where Frank does that and honestly better. does it in so, so much better. more of an interesting because way. It's so much more interesting. And as much as I love Drake, I, I'm not going to, you know, pull any punches with Drake. Like, I know where his faults are. I think the production on Views was, it came up, it was derivative of what he's done before. It, you know, it sounds similar. It's been working for him. However, it's so, it, it's minimal while sounding max, 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 like maximal. Is that a, I think is that that's a, word? A, it's a word? If it's not, it's a word now. And it's like, it's so over-the-top minimal that it becomes not minimal. And you're right, Frank does a better job at it on this album where it, things just slide into the background without, you don't even realize slide on there's, a late night. That's right. You don't even realize there's no drums until yeah. someone points it out to you. Because it's so well structured, it, there's a certain genius to it. And, um, and, and it also has to do with, he's exploring all kinds of different sounds. If you listen to like sort of the really bright and almost tinny sounding I don't even know if it's a synth that sounds like a guitar or some sort of warped guitar on Nights yeah. oh, or, yeah. or Night whatever yeah. that song's called the, like just the sounds on here there, there's so many distinct different like for the piano on the solo reprise reprise I never know how to pronounce that word where Andre 3000 is rapping right? and there's not much going on to drive a beat except like a little bit of a synth and then there's a point where he hits this really fast run in his rap and the piano are, like hits these two arpeggiated chords that go under each beat of his rap. Yeah. It's one of my favorite parts of the yeah. whole album. I can't. I could never rap it. So to show the listeners what it sounds like. <laughs> right. But listen to this song. So what I've been seeing in some of the, I've so I've seen a lot of favorable reviews on on Blonde. It's I've doing well. I've seen some that are not negative, but more so mixed. And what the criticism has been is that 
this album feels not complete or kind of thrown together or that it's sketches of ideas or whatever they might be saying to, to that regard. I couldn't disagree more and I think they, I, I honestly think these critics have not listened enough that they're caught up in this culture of I need to get something out there, I need uh, some kind of take or my own spin on it. I, I really think Frank Ocean albums are a testament to why we shouldn't review albums unless you've lived with them for maybe months. Yeah, like a while. Like, you need to... And that'll never happen. It won't. Especially with the internet culture that we live in right now. But, you know, Ian Cohen says on Twitter that we shouldn't review albums for years. And that's far-fetched, but there's something to that. It's obviously an idealist There's something to that. Well, and part of the reason is, like, if you look at the track listing, if you're writing a review, you're trying to churn it out and get it done... You're looking at the track listing probably just so you can... Because you're writing it and you're like, okay, on this track, what track am I on? And you look and you're like, okay, so on nights this happens. But if you're looking through the track list, you get to track nine and nights happens, it's five minutes. After that, you have four songs in a row that are like a minute to two and a half, but they're mostly short. And so there's sketches, there's the Facebook story one with the French guy talking right. about Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Um, but And so if you're looking at it track by track, rather than just letting it wash over you as an experience... Then sure, but the first time I listened, and the first few times, I wasn't checking to see where I was at. I wasn't either. And I think you kind of have to do that with this. Agreed. Because Frank has put this together, I think, in a way where it's it's enjoyable if you just listen to it as one 60-minute experience. Which you should just do with Endless, too. Which is, uh, to, yeah, exactly. That's how you need to listen to Endless. I think that's how you need to listen to Blonde. So, two things, really quickly. Um, one, Blonde has two different versions. Spellings. Yeah. So the, the second part of this is Frank released a, a zine which is called Boys Don't Cry. Oh, oh, oh. So people got a, uh, a physical version of Blonde with their zine of Boys Don't Cry. Who and are the people who got these? They, there were pop-up shops, which has been hot in the streets ever Whoa. since Pablo came out with Kanye. So pop-up shops have been the new hotness with like merch with these That's big, wild. like in so big like cities, L.A., New York, Chicago, like not Manchester. No, unfortunately, <laughs> um, not. I don't even think Boston. Um, right. So, in really big cities, pop-up shops were there the night of this release, and people could go get their "Boys Don't Cry" zine, which has pictures, artwork, poems. Kanye wrote a poem about McDonald's French fries. There Sounds was, great. There was like Frank Ocean, um, like notes and poems in there too. So, th- what ended up coming with that was a twelve-track version of Blonde that was spelled differently. And I guess some of those songs, uh, maybe some more of those sketches or, or one or two-minute songs weren't included. Oh. Um, so there's like there's two different versions of Blonde floating around out there, which I think is really interesting. I got two versions, that, as he said. So that plays on two levels because there's two versions of Blonde, like he was saying, yep. and then there's also two separate albums. So who knows what he was referring to, but it sounds like he was planning this for years and years, which I think is so cool and I think dispels what all these critics are saying of, oh, he was just doing this to fulfill his contract or... He was doing this as a thrown together piece because he ran out of time. And no, I don't. I think 
Frank knows what he's doing. It definitely doesn't sound like an album made under the gun to me. No, definitely sounds no. like one that had time to sort of flesh out his ideas and stuff. So is that the only explanation, or do you take something else away from the fact that if you open this up on Apple Music, the title officially is Blonde with an E, but on the album cover it's Blonde just B-L-O-N-D. So I saw an interesting comment about this like in some somewhere on Twitter, so this could mean literally nothing, right. but it made me think... And this person said, like, blonde with an E is, like, the feminine form. Blonde without mm-hmm. the E is mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Frank has, he wrote that sort of famous open letter about being bisexual. Maybe it has something to do with gender norms, gender I, identity. I love that take on it, too. And, and here's the thing about, and I think this goes back to Endless as well. Art can be whatever you need it to be for yourself. Mm-hmm. So whatever two versions means, whether it be two different albums or two different track lists of blonde or you know the dichotomy of sexuality whatever it might mean to you is what it means and that has that's important so something like endless something like blonde whatever it needs to be for you and i think it goes back to the staircase as well is like i put together this piece of art it took a long time it's just there it's for you and now we kind of start over it's I think there's something to be said about all of it where it's take your own perceptions of it. Take take your own meaning for whatever it is. It's a funny thing about making music or making something that is artistic and not technically practical in, in its purpose because it's like you said, like all this work goes into it, it's done, and then it's really not for you anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not making it like... You, there's some parallel to be said, some kind of hackneck, sort of half-assed, half-baked analogy about how Frank in Endless is actually working with tools and physical stuff, which yeah. is more tangible. Right. There's a purpose for it. Right. And with music, it's like you make it, and then you just give it up for everyone to right. criticize or everyone to love. Um, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff to unpack with this. It is, and that's the thing about this, too, is I don't think we'll understand the full context of what has been dropped on us for weeks and months and maybe even years to come. When we look back on Frank Ocean's career... We're going to look at Endless and Blonde very differently than how we're looking at it right now, which is fascinating to me. I, I love that. To to maybe wrap up this episode, Jake, let's talk about our favorite moments on Blonde. Yeah, and I also want to talk a tiny bit about what you just hinted at, which is it, it, I'm thinking about how does this now impact his sort of like legacy, so to speak. What does this say for his career and on a... As we look back years on, what do you think this will say? I think this solidifies him as this auteur of, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do, and I have a singular vision for what that is, and everyone else is going to have to bend to me in what that is. So I think Channel Orange set the stage for what he was able to do with this. Yeah. I think this might end up being a water... This might this might be a hot take, like, we're a week into this. I think the release of these two might end up being a watershed moment in the way music is released in the 21st century. And in the streaming wars we've been dealing with, I think this is a major footnote in that. I think also, it to come out with such a resounding statement over the course of two days... With, like you said, pop-up shops, different versions of Blonde, Endless, a visual album. Just so much production went into this. It, it feels like, sort of, uh, it, it reminds me of when uh, Paul McCartney tells a story about when they were working on Sgt. Pepper. 
And he said that because the Beatles had stopped touring, they hadn't released an album in like almost a year, which I guess then was a long time, especially for a band that had been releasing so much. He talks about how the British press, I think even some American press, were like, oh, what, what happened to the Beatles? They must be washed up now. And he knew all the while, he's like, I've been working on this record. Mm-hmm. Like, wait till you fuckers hear this mm-hmm. thing. And he had Sgt. Pepper in the wing. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was working on. I feel like that is sort of the kind of statement Frank made. Yeah. Because for the last, especially last like two years, as he's been teasing it, people have become more and more frustrated. Meanwhile, he's just working on his album. It's like, you know, it doesn't affect him if we're frustrated. Right. He can take right. his time. Right. And, you know, it's not... Why would we want a half-baked album two years ago when we could have this now? Exactly. And I think for it's such a resounding statement, and I think it's going to be interesting to see 10, 15 years later, when we look back at the history, it's like, well, there's Channel Orange, which is this sort of singular, it was just widely acclaimed, everyone loved it, it had hits, it had everything. What could Frank do to then up the ante in some way? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think right now we sort of can't see the forest for the trees. It's mm-hmm. hard to mm-hmm. know what this... Can really is going to represent. My opinion is it's going to be looked at as like a great artistic statement, as this statement of like a guy who had his own vision. It's like you said, he's going to do what he wants, and he has a vision that's very much his own, and he's not going to let anyone else's storyline that they want to impose on him affect what he wants to put out. I, I completely agree. Doesn't it feel like now in 2016? You almost have to do something drastic like this with your album releases. Like if you are if you're a, a flagship artist where you are one of the the top people, like a Kanye, a Drake, a Beyonce, a Frank, doesn't it feel like you have to do some kind of statement along with the actual art you're coming out with? It does, and but here's the interesting thing though. My favorite kinds of statements are from the artists who build it up the least and just do it. It's like, I, uh, honestly, the, the albums that I think are going to really stand the test of time, and maybe it's not our favorite, I like the album a lot, but like Lemonade by Beyonce mm-hmm. is one that's on like the top of everyone's list. That had very little sort of uh, preamble. Mm-hmm. It just came out and everyone sort of went crazy. Uh, there was a lot of lead up to these albums, but it wasn't really Frank's fault. He, it, it he was didn't just... Do- he didn't do what Kanye did leading no. up to Pablo, where he was teasing it and he was doing all these different things. Frank kept his mouth shut, yeah. and he was like, well, "I'm not. What are you talking about? Like, I'm just gonna release it when I release it." And all of this other stuff came along with it. Yeah, and I think the grandest, excuse me, sort of the the biggest gesture you can have is do something big, and do it in a way that where where you're not if you build it up too much, like Jesus, I think was an exercise in or Pablo. Oh, yeah. I'm going back yeah. three years now. Yeah. Was it three years ago? Yes. 2013. Um, Pablo, rather, the life of Pablo, um, was, it was such, it was tiring on the fans once it was out, before it before was out. Before it was even out. I was tired and, of and it. And then even once it was out, even still, it's right, like, you it might change going. it again. The feeling is, with Frank, it was like, sure, there was all this lead up, and I, he did toy with people sure. a little bit, and with the press, with the library thing, and all the missed due dates and all the sort of teases. How much of that he controlled, I'm not sure. Um, but he sort of lurked in the shadows more. And, you know, I think he really delivered. And he just sort of quietly put these out. They're out. And now the and the internet went crazy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that mm-hmm. how much Frank did. Yeah. I, I don't know. And I, I think there is something to be said about the way he handled it for himself. Here's the thing. Because you mentioned jumping into some of our favorite moments. I think we should do it one for one. Bounce let's back do it. and forth. All right. Let's do it. Um, 
I, I'll, I'll, you want me to start? You start. All right, okay, so one of the things that has been stuck in my head a lot this week is from Nike's. Yep. It's the um, throw up for ASAP. It's, the next line is, it sounds like R.I.P. Pepsi. It's yeah. not. It's something else. And then it's uh, R.I.P. Trayvon. He looked just like me. That With that, that high-pitched voice, that part more than anything has been stuck in my head this entire week of listening. That's one of my favorite moments. It, it does. It resonates with you. It's one of the moments on Nikes that really sticks with you. And I actually just now, while you said that, the high-pitched voice mirrors the youth of Trayvon a little bit. Yep. Maybe uh... Uh, You know, it's interesting. The Pitchfork Review pointed this out to me today. Trayvon would have been 21. Uh, That's right. Wait, did they say today? Does he have the same birthday as me? Did they say today? Yeah. I don't know. We can look it up. Interesting. Um, one of my favorite moments in... Uh, so I already mentioned one of them, which is the the vocals at the end of self control. So I won't I won't retread that because I've said that actually a couple times now. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that that's boring, mm-hmm. and I know that by saying that I just sort of did say it again. You did. Um, yeah. It's an old podcasting trick. It is. It's it's just the old the old three times. It's set. like doing a Mount Rushmore of five instead of four or eight. That's right. Or ten. White Ferrari. When Frank sings the little melody, that's like. Um, it, what, is, what is it? It's something each day of the year. Spending each day of the year. Yeah. Spending each day of the year. Because it's this little nod to the Beatles. It's a little nod to Here, There, and Everywhere by uh, the McCartney song off of uh, Revolver. Um, White Ferrari is just a beautiful song. The melodies in it are so great. And I think Frank does such a good job of um, adopting little melodies here and there throughout the album and making them his own in an interesting way. That's just one of the examples. Totally agree. I, lo- I love that too. Uh, my next favorite moment I love on Nights so Nights I think is a perfect collaboration between the vibes you get on Endless and the more structured songs that you get on Blonde it feels like a marriage of the two and I think if you're going to point to one song that has overlap and one foot in each of the album it's Nights I love the part towards the end it's after um, there's like kind of this interlude in it, and you think the song's done, and then it comes back, and he does the refrain of, um, ro- like, rolling marijuana, that's a cheap vacation, yep. that's some everyday shit. And he kind of just like mumbles that line, and it's a really, I don't know, that has just been stuck in my head. It's just the vibe of that song, the feeling, I, I really, really like. Um, this one feels like cheating, but I'll say it, it would definitely be on both of our lists. The chorus of Solo. Dude, yeah. Come on. Solo, is is Solo the standout song from this album? I think if you're picking a best song that, like, could, in theory, stand on its own, I think the best it's Solo, which is an apt name. And by chorus, what part do you actually So the part mean? I'm referencing when I say chorus is the, um, uh... It's hell on earth and okay, and, and the city's on the fire. city's on fire and in, in hell in hell there's heaven. Yep. There's a bull and a matador dueling, dueling in the, in the sky. sky. Yeah, because um, that to me is like a re- repetition that goes on through the song. Yep. That seems like the chorus to me. Yep. Uh, for me, another one is this might be cheating, but just all of Ivy. Right. Ivy, yeah. I just I love uh, the the guitar that's on there. Um, basically, just all of Ivy. Yeah, I, I'm going to cheat as well and say all of Siegfried. Dude, <laughs> okay. that song is, and I actually can't even call it into memory right now really, but it's it's one of the slowest, just sort of prettiest songs on the album, and it is so, it's sort of moody. Mm-hmm. I really, really like that song. Yeah, and honestly, like, 
We'll end up saying every song. We could. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna cut mine off there. I'm gonna give just... a big shout to Facebook guy. The, the fucking would the not French ex- dude. I would not accept her on, on Facebook. On Facebook, and she was. This is. I was. I wasn't cheating on her. Nothing. I've been uh, seeing her since since three years, <laughs> and uh, she asked me to accept her on I, Facebook. I see. I see you every day. I want to meet this man and I guess smoke a long cigarette French with him. Producer named Sebastian. Because of course it is. Be more of a stereotype. Yeah. Do you have a little mustache and like a beret? And you're constantly eating croissants and baguettes? I bet he was holding a baguette while he yeah, said that. Yeah, he was probably sword fighting with someone who also had a baguette in front of the Eiffel Tower. I defy you, sir. He probably couldn't fucking accept her on Facebook. He was too busy eating a baguette <laughs> and being French. Dude, honestly, whoever this woman is he's referencing, cut this dude a break. No, 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 no. I'm on her side, dude. Except her fucking friend request. Are you kidding me? Like I said, this guy's an asshole. Like I said the other day, this might be a broad brushstroke stereotype. It seems to me the French allow their life to be dictated more by things that in principle, principle, right? By principle. And I think the print. I actually kind of get the principle of what he's saying because she's like, "Accept me on Facebook." He's like, "I'm right here." Like maybe he's not into it. Yes. And in the early days of Facebook. Think there were more resistors yeah. then, and now it's just accepted. Like, hey, yeah. like either be on Facebook or miss out on the things Facebook offers. That's true. This is not the song I expected to discuss the most. You kind of just need to go along with whatever your girlfriend's doing. You need to do that boyfriend thing where you just are like, you know what? This isn't worth the fight. This isn't worth the pain in my ass. I'm gonna go along with whatever this is. Just fucking do it, man. He should. You don't have to use it. All you have to do is just okay, dude. He was. He had a very firm ideal. He wasn't going to break it for her. Yeah. Another thing, the one disappointment first time through, uh, Futura Free, the, the last mm. track on the album, mm-hmm. it's not really a disappointment, but the first time I saw the track list, I saw, ooh, nine and a half minutes, this is going to be a pyramid-length sort of epic. Turns out it's sort of, it half of it's a song, the rest is sort of these interviews with, like, kids, basically, yeah. or, like, Frank's friends yeah. or something. Yeah, it was his brother who, like, interviewed people, I guess. And there's not that much going on No, there. I, I skip it at this point. It's not that interesting, and it's kind of abrasive. It the is. sound of the recording is, is abrasive. Um, let me ask you this. Yes. You're, of the, I think, the standout little vignettes, which is Be Yourself, which features Frank's mom talking about how marijuana oh, makes yeah. you, like, lazy, stupid, and... Um, un- unconcerned. Unconcerned. Um... She's like her nose. It sounds like she's a nasal infection. Let me ask you Lazy, this. stupid, and unconcerned. This is mom. <laughs> I like how she throws in, too, like, unless a doctor prescribes it. Yeah, then it is, then it is uh, under his uh, supervision. So, this is mom. Was she also in that thing where she's talking in Channel Orange about, like, I, like I ain't got the money, or like it's not about the money, uh, or like whatever about like there's like a turn signal going. It's like coo, 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 could have been, yeah, I don't could know. Could be. Anyways, of those three like vignettes, so which one? Facebook, be story? yourself, Facebook, sell, uh, a Facebook story, and um, I think solo reprise is the other standout. Like just like one minute. Oh, it's solo by far. Yeah, because that's actually like okay. Let me that's ask Andre you three thousand spoken word. Off. Just the spoken word. Which one do you? find more enjoyable the french guy or frank's mom i find the french guy funnier i do too i i I guess i don't know yeah i think it's facebook story by a hair because it's just he's funny his accent amuses me he's so french but dude solo reprise as i mentioned before so awesome is amazing it's like i think andre's taking some shots at drake because he's talking Mm -hmm. about how he's like i i bobbed my head to people who are undeserving 
He's like, I thought everyone wrote their own lyrics or whatever. Shout across the bow. Yeah. Yeah, it can't feel good if you're Drake. Drake, Drake, Drake will do his thing where he's like, oh, I don't care and I won't say right, anything. Right, but dude, I think he's in, care. in the respect category, I think Drake has been taking some L's on, on for, respect for, for writing. Because it seems under 2000 is pretty widely and universally respected. Yeah, you know what I like, too? And loved some, by rappers. Some continuity across Channel Orange and Blonde with a... Andre verse. Yeah. You had him on uh on on Pink. Pink Matter. Pink Matter. His verse on Pink Matter was awesome. Yeah, it's great. Uh if models are made for modeling uh, and what thick is it? girls thick are made, made for, for cuddling. cuddling. Yeah. Yeah, whatever that line was. Yep. That whole part's so awesome. Yep. Um well, I think we. That's just about a. I think that does it. I think this was a good discussion around Frank. Yeah. Uh, if podcasters are made for podcasting, we just did that. Sean and Jake are made for podcasting. They sure are. Uh, I really like both these albums, though. I think they're great. I, I think too. these have legs to keep listening to. Uh, I think these are gonna. I think Blonde will rank highly at my on my end of the year list. Yeah, and I think Endless will end up on there in like a good middle of the yep. middle tier sort of position because yep. I think I'm gonna in, end up enjoying listening to that one a lot. But Agreed. I agree. These are a couple great albums. Check them out, especially if you liked Frank's past work. Yep, for sure, for sure. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Special birthday episode. That's right. This is first big. ever birthday episode. Yeah, I my birthday was on a Saturday. Yeah. So we didn't do one. No, we didn't. This is on the birthday. This is kind of a big deal. Yeah, this isn't just any old like near your birthday. No, episode. this is on my birthday. Your birthday is today. Today, as promised. I've been drinking beforehand. There you go. So you're gonna get some Frank Ocean hot takes. Maybe some hiccups throughout. Yeah, like. Yeah, kind of like dealing right with there. it right now. There you go. Uh, I just ate some tacos too. So there you go. So this is a it's a volatile mix. Um, we'll we'll fucking see how this goes. Circling back to my laptop discussion from last week. Nice use of circle back. Uh, I did a factory reset of it. Does it work better? A little bit, but you it's would not feel what I like to hear. no. You'd feel like after doing a factory reset, it would work a lot better. I don't entirely know what that entails. A factory reset. Um. Essentially, it deleted everything that was on there except oh. for what was on there when it like came brand new. So, I don't know what the deal with this laptop is because I was trying to stream Mr. Robot. I was trying to get caught up. I'm nowhere near caught up, by the way. And you show things happen. Right. Things start to happen. It, it, the season's turning around, I think. Um, so I go to watch Mr. Robot, and it's. Still choppy as hell streaming. Like it's it's doing that thing where it plays well for ten seconds and then everything slows down for four seconds and then it will speed back up and get you caught up to where you need to be and then it'll be okay for ten seconds and then it will lag for four seconds. So I was like, "Fuck this! Yep. I'm just gonna watch on my iPad." And what privilege that I have multiple options to stream content on demand on. That's so privileged that even we wouldn't have had that a few years ago. Right. That's how privileged it is. Even, like, the, the most privileged people on Earth, like, just, like, w- like somewhat well-off Americans didn't have that technology 
until somewhat recently. That's true. That's like this table. I, I, I just put here. a couple rings into Jake's like piano bench table. It's all right because as you can see, they've been accumulating through yeah. the year. From like, I feel like this picks up rings real easily. It does, and I think that's because of like this lacquer that's on it. Like if you were to sneeze on this and a little bit of saliva and snot gone on here, there'd be a ring. Yeah, these rings I think were left. We can date these like tree rings to when I had mm. cereal a couple nights. I've since not put it on this because that's most nights that I have cereal. Anyone listeners of the pod actually might not know that I'm a like a borderline cereal addict. Big cereal head. You know those giant boxes of cereal I bought last week? Uh-huh. They're gone. No, they're. Not. I'm not shitting. No, they're not. They're gone. That you're playing that up right now. Go look right now. There's already a new cornflakes. How do I know it's not the same one? It was small. It's smaller. Jeez. Fucking Christ. That was I a, can show you the boxes. It was like a comically sized cornflakes. Yeah. That's how big it was. It, I might have a problem. You know, it's way beyond might. It's in full... <laughs> it's, it's in full-fledged, we need an intervention mode right now. Well, I mean, if you're concerned, I you know, maybe... I Let's dial it back fi- a little, huh? My family would be appreciative. Yeah, we'll dial it back. Some we'll, we'll figure this out. This is a problem. Yeah, it does seem to be, and uh, I'm embarrassed... For my family, for my friends, for my family's honor. Yeah, you know, really. do is just go into treatment. Yeah, I do think, the old treatment. Well, I think Kellogg's runs a program. Yeah, well, I mean, they should. They're ruining lives. So no, it's it's very sparsely attended. <laughs> I looked online and it actually has been canceled the last four or five years because it's not enough people have a cornflakes. But they keep running it. They, well, no, they they, they keep they, offering. They it. offer it and then they cancel. They offer, then they cancel because okay. like one two people will sign up. So the, that's actually the sick irony of being a serial addict is there's really no help out there because even the help gets kind of cut off. Uh, yeah, you know that's just a real commentary on the system that we live in, where the addicts are actually victims and the system just yep. prolongs their addiction. Topsy turvy world we live in. It's really sad. Uh, but but yeah, bad for you. In all seriousness, there's nothing I like more than a bowl of cereal. Yeah. Like, yeah. se- seriously. I know. No, I know. Like, uh, yeah. Maybe I have a, a serial podcast. Although, for the most part, <laughs> there's already been one of those. <laughs> and it was a lot more really. popular. I didn't listen. From what I gathered, it was about, like, Post and Kellogg's and <laughs> their the, the CD history there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I think there's a murder involved there somewhere, Something too. Something about Adnan. Yeah. Is that a type of cereal? Yeah. I, it's not my favorite. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's dive in. Frank Ocean talk. Let's do it. Let me pull up my notes. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. 